Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show, folks. I'm Chase Geyser, your host this evening. We're going to be taking calls for the remainder of the first half of this hour. Let's go straight to Hammer Hardy in Florida. Hammer Hardy, always a pleasure to speak with you, sir. How are you? Chase, good evening. Nice to speak to you, too. How's the, how's the family? Everybody's doing great. Thanks for asking. How are you and yours? Doing good, man. I've been working like 12-hour days every day for like 12 months. But besides that... Um, I know the feeling. Yeah, so... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so you had mentioned something earlier. You said, um, you know, it's time for us to stop throwing bones and start throwing stones. Yeah. And what that what that makes me think of is how uh, Don Jun- Donald Trump Jr. has been calling for the end to the boycott of the uh, Anheuser-Busch, um, you know, the, the whole Bud Light yeah. fiasco. Yeah, because they, they, sweat- they fired everybody in that marketing department, and then they did a deal with the UFC, right, with Dana White? And yeah, so a lot yeah, of conservatives I mean, are trying to get a, get people to – Accept that basically recognition of how they screwed up. And yeah, and, and so the, the the way I feel about that is it, it was such an insult to to America that I really feel like a lesson needs to be uh, you know a message needs to be sent and a lesson needs to be learned. So um, I feel that if they want our business back, mm-hmm. if they want to bring us back as customers and they want to show some, us some respect, then they need to come out with a red Budweiser can a MAGA Budweiser can with the Patriot lion on it. I'll buy that. Yeah. Well, then, then they'll alienate everybody on the left. <laughs> Screw but them. It's not I'm like they're you. keeping them in business. And here's the thing, too, with the, with the Bud Light thing. You know, I, I'm willing to accept the, the apology, and I appreciate that they recognized the problem, fired everybody, tried to do these deals with right-wing organizations like the UFC, <laughs> but I'm still not buying any Budweiser products. I'm not buying Modelo or Bud Light or Budweiser. I, when we went when we went to the border, we stopped at a gas station on the way down to Eagle Pass, and you guys saw Tim Enlo. He was with us doing security. He was on the air that week that we were at the border, and I, I saw a Bud Light hat at the gas station buried under all these other hats, and it was 15 bucks. I had to buy it for Enlo. I gave it to him. He goes, I don't want that. I don't want that. I was like, wear it, wear it. That's a gag gift, you know, but I don't know. Like, I accept the apology, but I'm never going to buy one of their products again. They just blew it to me. Uh, what do you think? Well, so to me, it's more about the message. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, it's about showing them like, hey, listen, we have the power to keep you in business or put you out of business. Right. And if you're going to disrespect the American people, then you need to go. But if you really, you know, if you really truly, you know, regret, regret your decision, if you've, you know, if your apology really means something, I can't, I can't just take people at their word anymore. you got to show me something. Yep. you gotta, you got to, you know. Uh, place something down at the altar in, 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 in another way of, of, of saying it, you know? Yep, Make absolutely. me an offering. Absolutely. I'm with you, Har- Hammer. Good good feedback there. Thank you for calling in. Tim in California. Tim, what's on your mind? Tim, are you still with us, buddy? Hear me. Yes, I can hear you Can now. you hear me? Yes. Okay. Alter ego. Alter ego. A Massachusetts Institute of Technology student has created a device it allows humans to communicate with machines using our minds. Now, does it require an implant, or, or how does it work? No, no, it's he's, it's actually a little wearable headset, but it's not a, a, a goggle-type device like the others are going with. Oh, yeah, we have it on and the screen. The, I see it. And, and by the way, here's the kicker. This is from a 60 Minutes thing from 2018. Imagine how much technology has changed from then till now. Obviously, he's no longer a student, and you can read all about him. 
Yeah. But it, it, it says basically this enables a human-computer interaction that is subjectively experienced as completely internal to the human user, like speaking to oneself. And it enables a user to transmit and receive streams of information. So you can too, receive the information too. You don't just you don't yeah. just do the search or interact with the device it's, from yourself. It goes back to, to your head. To and from a computing device or any other person without any observable action, indiscretion, without unplugging the user from their environment, without invading the user's privacy. They got him wearing it, it in this it, video, though. Look how ridiculous he looks, man. Can you imagine it, if somebody came up to the counter with that on their face? But my point is, imagine when your kids go to school and you don't know what's going on, instead of them saying, pull your rulers and abacuses out of your desktop, children. Instead, they say, please pull your augmented reality, you know, right. wearable headset yeah. And then All right, everybody, we, we want everyone to think a search about how World War One started. Think a search. Exactly. So now you've got the Pope of a different thing and, you know, the whole thing just because the Internet says it's that way. And what choice do they have? Once they show up, they're the slave for the day. It just says uh, this has the potential to seamlessly integrate humans and computers such that computing, in the Internet, and AI – would weave into our daily life as a second self and augment our cognition and abilities. And in the demonstration on 60 Minutes years ago, the guy asked him this unbelievably complicated mathematical equation. He just instantly said the answer. And then he asked him, like, what's the the capital of Bulgaria and its population or whatever, and he just instantly told him, no problem. Fascinating. You know, it's it's crazy. I, I, I used to host a podcast for Entrepreneur Magazine, and I would interview these different entrepreneurs for 30 minutes at a time. And about 15 minutes into one, I could have sworn that I was not talking to a human being, that I was talking to a, an AI, because the answers that, that I was getting back, and I just said, all right, what's 317 times 1042.5? And he spit out the right answer right away, and I was like, aha! I know that this is an AI. Tim, thank you so much for your call. I appreciate it. Debbie in New Jersey. Debbie, what is on your mind? Debbie, are you there with us? I'm here. Can okay. you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. I've been doing some research, and I study common law. Uh-huh. And I came to the realization that the maritime courts, courts of the sea, law of the sea, cannot hear land cases mm-hmm. under statute law. So how is it these courts are ruling against Alex Jones and the rest of us when they have no venue over any of us? You know, I, I've heard a little bit about the maritime law stuff, and I don't understand the nuances enough to answer that question. But I know what you're talking about. A lot of the uh, videos and clips that I've seen just sort of in passing about this suggest that we're a maritime law-based system, and for some reason, if a crime happens on land, we can't hear it. Is, is that the deal? Can you explain it a little bit to me for the sake of me and the audience? Absolutely. Thank you. My sister was being harassed by her town mm-hmm. over city ordinances. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a letter, I won't go into detail, and, I, and at the very end I put, you can take us to court, but I will let you know that corporations, which are what the courts are, cannot do business with living, breathing men and women. Furthermore, maritime courts cannot hear land cases. And the town of Mayapak in New York backed down because that letter that I wrote shut them down really you really 
Wow. Well, that's a hell of a letter. You should write some letters on behalf of InfoWars. <laughs> Darling, let me tell you, you guys need any help with letters? I'm a badass common law writer. I appreciate it, Debbie. Thank you for your call. Let's hear from Bandwagon in Arizona. Bandwagon in Arizona, are you there? Uh, checking one, two, three. Yeah, you sound great. What's up, man? Hey, man. Um, I called. I called you a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Um, and and I was kind of filling you in on you know I needed some help. I needed some backup here here in Arizona. Yeah. It's called Pima, Pima County. Yep. And I had told you that day that I was gonna get a surprise guest, and that was James O'Keefe. Oh, great. Right. So. James O'Keefe came to the location that, you know, I've been spotting for, for months, you know, this huge location. They, our local government had spent millions of dollars mm-hmm. on this location, and then they bought a, they rented out a, a COVID closed down hotel, and they were using it to spread out the uh, immigrants using our public transportation. So I guess the, the whole point of the story is, is I wanted to, urge the uh, listeners get your asses out there and get active because it works absolutely bandwagon thank you so much for your call i do appreciate it let's hear from tj in new york tj what is on your mind tj can we go to tj please there we go Uh, all right hello can you hear me you sound great all right great so uh good to talk to you again i talked to you about three weeks ago was it um about the uh, Amazon thing. So before I get into what I got to get into, I, I just need to tell you, yeah. I can't get in contact with you on X about that thing I got fired from Amazon from, where I uh, made a video about their whole... Can you try, send, try sending me a DM on Instagram instead, uh, if it's not letting you send me a DM on X, uh, and I'll get those. Yeah. Same same handle, okay. Real Chase Geyser. All right, got it. So uh, so-called flyover states, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, being from New York... Um, I could tell you that I did. I never actually heard that term till I was like, till I started traveling with the carnival. I was eighteen. This is about fifteen years ago. Yeah. Now, when I I, I I could tell you one thing, man. Being at doing that job and going around the country was beautiful to see. Now, yeah. the thing I got to tell you most, I'm from here in New York, mm-hmm. in every where every other small city is a crap hole, and you know the biggest city here, of course, also is now <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, beautiful, and then the even the city that I've been to. I went to St. Paul, Minnesota. It was the most cleanest. Yes, yes. There are certainly crap hole ever... small towns all over the country, but there are beautiful towns absolutely. as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, and in, in, in St. Paul, I just thought it was the most amazing thing ever. It didn't smell like trash or. Right. You know, it, it was Franklin, Tennessee is wow. a lot like that, too. It's about 45 minutes outside of Nashville, 36 miles away. That's so awesome. Beautiful town. That's awesome. Oh, um, before I forget, uh, Debbie from Jersey, who just called uh, before. Yeah. Um, cool please lady. Get in, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if she could get in contact with me um, at The Real Busybody on Twitter, I would really much appreciate that. I could use that help. I'm actually not that far from Mayapack. I live about an hour north from the Bronx. Now, uh, and also, uh, Going into, uh, you know, you were asking earlier if we had lost friends or family and yeah. whatnot because of our so-called political beliefs, right. you know, and uh, we kind of had this conversation uh, 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 briefly before, but my, uh, my best friend who I've grown up with since day one, actually, ironically, he was the one that turned me on to InfoWars <laughs> uh, back during the Bush era. Right. Yeah. And uh, somehow he 
became totally Democrat. Um, you know, and I, I don't hate him for it. You, you know, we get along and all, but we do not hang out as nearly as much as we used to because we'll get into arguments. Yeah. My mother, she thinks I'm totally brainwashed by you guys. Um, you know, like, and I dated a leftist when I was in Delaware last year. The, the, Everybody's you know, got an ex girlfriend who's a leftist, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are not wrong about that. I mean, her daughter knows pronouns. I didn't even know what pronouns were when I was a kid. And she can name like all the whole pronoun alphabet. It's crazy, man. <laughs> and she's like nine. Well, TJ, thank you, you know? so much for your call. I want to plow through some of the rest of these. I appreciate you calling in, and, and hopefully you get to connect with Debbie. Let's hear from Bart in Georgia. Bart, what is on your mind? Hey, my mother hates me because I call into the Alex Jones show, your show, and the InfoWars. And you know what? If Trump wins in 2024, including these family members, I totally support uh, putting them into re-education camps. Oh, I, I'm not about to re-education. I appreciate the sentiment. But, man, as soon as you start sending people to camps, that's how you know you're the bad guy. <laughs> what do you think? Well, they better not hope they make – they better hope they don't make me the next president. <laughs> <laughs> I love the audacity, Bart. Anything else on your mind? 1776. Thank you, Chase. Thanks, Bart. Brian in Virginia. Brian in Virginia, what is up? Um, good evening, Chase. Thanks for calling. Um, the, before I answer your question – there is a documentary that I think you need to see, okay. and it's called The Deep State Can Frame You, the documentary on Rumble, and I've heard it's got over 100,000 views, I think. The Deep State Can Frame You. Okay, I'll check it out. And to answer your question. Um, what question? I can't remember. <laughs> it's about, like, the family members yes. that okay. have separate, yeah, um... There's a certain amount of people in my family that are leftist, and so there is a division in my family. There's people that are, you know, on both sides of the political aisle. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, 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 I mean, I've seen the division. Yeah. So what's Thanksgiving like for your family? I do get to meet with my grandma and grandpa and mom, and we do have a great Thanksgiving every year. Yeah. Do you just avoid the political conversations? Well, actually, they all do support Trump because of the fact that, you know, he, he's done a lot of great things. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. David in Washington. David in Washington, what do you think about teachers sucking toes or kids sucking teacher toes? <laughs> Can't oh believe I'm asking God. that question, bro. <laughs> did you see that clip? No. Yeah, I did. I almost couldn't. I was telling the guy who answered the phone when I called in, like. I didn't want to air it, school. but it's like you got to raise awareness, you know. I don't want to show that, but man. No, no, and, and I I believe you guys, I mean, I'm, you guys have opened my eyes to so many things over the last, like, three years, but some stuff like that, I had to call the school. I mean, I didn't get anybody, but I see some stuff like that, and I'm like, hold on, I just got it, no. They need to, they need to be prosecuted for that. You can't let a kid suck on your toe. No, that's insane. That's insane, and I don't know, you know, to see the the way those things are happening, uh, you know, to say, well, what do we have to do and, and how are we going to bring justice? I don't know. I don't know if there's any justice to be had when things that are that open and that disgusting right in our face. Like I, I can appreciate wanting to jump through the right procedures to, to try and get these people accountable. But I mean, Chase, do you think that there's any accountability to be had or do you think we're past the tipping point where we're 
were just kind of like, you know, I know that's a little grim, but yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So I am generally someone who is opposed to vigilante justice, except when it comes to child abuse. And I think if the system doesn't take care of, doesn't do what needs to be done to establish justice in situations like that, it's time for dad to get involved. I'm just going to leave it at that. Absolutely. Did you see the flyover conservatives clip of the the dad who knocked out the the guy when he came out of the courtroom, raped his daughter? Oh, man. That was from months ago, right? I don't know. I just saw it today. So I I could be. I'm not sure about that. Maybe the crew can find that. Maybe the crew can find that. We can run it. But there's that famous story of that guy in Russia who killed his best friend because he found out his best friend was abusing his daughter. And then the jury acquitted him. They're like, yeah, technically he murdered him, but that guy needed to die, so we're going to acquit this guy. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. We yeah. need a, our, our I tell you what, if I'm ever on a jury for somebody who is being charged with murdering a pedophile, I am acquitting. <laughs> no matter that's what. Right, get him, bro. Yeah, that's, that's something that I think, uh, if I had a message for people to hear, it's that myself and a lot of small communities around me, and I'm sure that... Uh, People in all sorts of communities in the United States feel this way, but if you know, we see the headlines about all the all the crazy criminal activity and the rapes and stuff with uh, not just illegal immigrants, but also just in general. But it's certainly more so now with the open border. But you know, there's got to be an understanding that if if those criminals pursue that type of behavior in Lots of communities in the United States, they're going to pay the ultimate price for it. And um, I would just encourage everybody to, to keep their head on a swivel. And But it's just mind-blowing where we're at. And I got to thank you guys so much for raising that awareness. And in closing, since you're talking about how divided we are in America, mm-hmm. I used to travel a lot for work. I just recently got a job where I don't travel as much. But I will say... Every city I've been in, all the way from, you know, New York, everywhere in between, I have these types of conversations with folks that on face value, you wouldn't, you wouldn't assume we would have anything in common sure. whatsoever. But we, we have those kind of conversations. And I think Carrie Lake said it really good pretty recently where she said, we don't care if you woke up yesterday or a month ago. But if you're ready to open your eyes and stand on the right side of history, welcome to the party. And I think that's really important. Absolutely, man. David, thank you so much. That was an outstanding call. I appreciate you calling in. Jack in Panhandle, Florida. Jack in the Panhandle in Florida, what is on your mind? Well, Chase, I just got to correct you. You're absolutely great on that rant about defending extreme right-wing people. Right. And I just want to say something real quick before you correct me. I do know that the Nazis weren't really right wing. I, I was simply saying that if the left calls them right wing, then you know what I mean? So go ahead, though. Go ahead and make your point. Right. Well, I'm just saying don't buy into that because you're yeah. trying to do make it left wing because the Nazi party, N A Z I, is short for right. the Nazi Socialist German Workers Party. Right. And the first thing Hitler did is he brought in health care. Free healthcare for everybody. Yeah, yeah. the oh, reason the, the have- reason that Europeans call the Nazis right wing is because they were anti-communist. 
But they disregard the fact that the Nazis were just as much anti-capitalist as they were anti-communist. They thought both communism and capitalism was a Jewish conspiracy. So they're really sort of in the middle. They had all these socialist ideas that would not fit into the framework of American right wing as we understand it today. But relative to the commies, they're right wing. So everybody just says they're right wing, they're right wing. And it just mixes everything up and confuses people. You're right. And you're right. And so if you just say, hey, right wing extremists, you know what? It's George Washington. Thomas Jefferson, right. uh, Sam Adams, those are the right-wing extremists. What what horrible things they did, Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Uh, you know, those are the right-wing people. That's true. Let's and people don't realize that our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence, is a, they're both radical political documents. Freedom of speech, total yeah. freedom of speech is a radical idea. Allowing everyone to be armed is a radical idea. And this is a nation founded on radicalism. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Bingo. That's my point. And therefore, you go on the attack and say, well, let's go with some left-wing extremists. Excuse me. Uh, Chairman Mao, how about, um, you know, you have Brezhnev, you have Stalin, you have Marx, you have have Lenin, you have all of these guys. You can keep going. The guy in... in, Che, Castro, all of them. them. Find me a good one in there. Find me a good one. Let's do the body count. Right-wing extremists where... George Washington oh, and yeah. Wallace, he led revolution to yeah. try to free themselves from tyranny. And then you have Mao in 1947 who murdered 60 to 100 million well, of his own people. Let me put it to you like this, Jack. Let me put it to past. you like this, Jack. In the world, if you even including the Nazis, if you call them right-wing extremists, which I understand that it's not the right way to frame them, but no. even including the Holocaust and the accepted numbers of the Holocaust, the six million number, if you add up yes, all of the deaths that occurred between 1619 and 2019 – of as a result of right-wing extremism it's less than the deaths that occurred between 1958 and 1962 during the great leap forward under chairman Mao. so in four years communism killed more people than all of right-wing extremism with the accepted numbers and all the concessions for 400 years every year under a leftist regime is more deadly than 100 years under a right-wing regime I, I totally agree, but don't put in six million Jews that were killed by the Nazis onto our side of the, uh, of the sure, equation. Sure, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. Yep, it gets tricky, so, but yep. you're right. You're right. Jack, thanks for your call. I appreciate we're, it. Kevin in Florida. Kevin, what is on your mind? I want to talk about Bukele in El Salvador. Okay. What do you got to say? Okay. Um, I'm not sure about your opinion too much of him. Uh, I just see lots of things, lots of people in America that are very uh, pro-Bukele. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been to El Salvador uh, a few times um, before Bukele, uh, during, well, Bukele, twice. Uh, I just think it, it, it's kind of weird. I just think everybody is very on board with this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, you know, he just kind of came out of nowhere. He's a young, uh, so it's like guy. Very, a little bit. Um, you know, and, and most of the people I talk to, a lot of people, I spend a lot of time in the countryside there. Mm-hmm. Um and the majority of people that I spoke with were not necessarily on the Bukele side. I know he won overwhelmingly mm-hmm. um, in the election as far as it goes, uh, but there's questions as far as the Constitution there goes. You know, basically, he went in and kind of changed uh, some justices in in the courts and was able to basically kind of cha- change the Constitution. And now that's not really my opinion because I'm not mm-hmm. quite too sure about it, and I'm just kind of going off of what I heard from people there. Let me put it to you this way, Kevin, and, and I do appreciate your call, and I do think that your call is interesting, so please don't take what I'm about to say the wrong way because it's not meant to be pointed toward you. I do not give a damn 
about who leads any other country or what they say ever. Whether they're right wing, whether they're left wing, I don't care. I only care about America and I only believe that we should be in the mindset. Now, I understand that these other leaders have an impact on us and our relationships, and it's a problem when Trudeau is a leftist, and I've done segment after segment about Trudeau and stuff. I understand that we should care to a certain extent, but I think that we make the mistake of getting so wrapped up in who the leader of Italy is, who the leader of Israel is, who the leader of Iraq is, or Afghanistan, or Libya, or whatever. It's like, why do we even give a crap? You know what I mean, Kevin? What do you think? I agree with you on that point. Yeah. is because I was on... Uh on X and there's several people. And actually I've started to, uh, not, you know, stop following these people that constantly were, be Kelly, this be Kelly, that be Kelly, whatever, because I kind of feel the same way. It's like, what does it really matter to us so much of what he does? But there's, you know, it's kind of some things. And then I remember I kind of posted something on X and it was a reply to somebody and just kind of said, Hey, you know, like kind of, what about this? What about that? And I got attacked. I mean, I yeah. like totally got attacked and people just telling me to shut the F up, whatever. You're full of. Yeah. It's funny. It. It's you're funny paid, how when you, when you post something on X, full. you know, you go to sleep for a minute and you wake up and your phone exploded. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, also, you know, the, the thing is too, is, uh, you know, he's, uh, puts on this very conservative kind of thing, but I don't know if you know so much uh, the Google contract they have there. It's a 500 million. Yeah, so well, so they're doing their cloud system, but it it goes into education, government, all this stuff, and I understand you signed a seven-year contract maybe so you could kind of get out of it, but once you set up, they're setting up permitting systems, all this kind of stuff as far as Google being the the backbone for it. So once you do all that stuff, you spend seven years into it. What are the chances that in seven years you're pulling out of it? There, there's going to be none. So, you know, they're moving towards technology and kind of setting up a technocracy. And there I get it with uh, Google, with the AI, with the racism, all this kind of stuff people have been talking about. In El Salvador, you don't have that so much. You go to El Salvador, there's a ton of people that are Hispanic that are from El Salvador. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like you're going there and it's a, a melting pot like America is. You know, it's not so many different races. So I was just kind of curious your opinions on it because I, I do really enjoy your show or while well, watching you when you're on InfoWars. Thank you. And, I appreciate uh, that. You're, you're one of my favorite guys on there for sure. But I, I just hear other guys and I hear them talking about it and then I hear them talking bad about Google and this, like at the same time, it's, it's kind of a conflict with me. And, uh, I know somebody did request in El Salvador, they requested basically to be able to read the contract between Bukele and, and just keep it a secret Google. And it's a secret. They're yeah, not, yeah. they're I don't saying like that. it's I don't like classified that type of information. Yeah. So what's classified about it? You know, it's like, yeah, mm, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm more worried about like. the corruption and cover-ups in our own country though, generally speaking. So yeah, maybe Bukele sucks. I don't know. What I care, I just want Joe Biden to go to prison forever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I agree. Yes, I, I do agree that that and that that's kind of what it, my point was is just kind of I try not to focus too much on it. But my wife, uh, she's from El Salvador. Okay, well then um, it's more relevant both, to you, both, right? So both my uh, and you know I do go and it, it's a cool place. I mean, it's interesting. I wouldn't want to live there uh, by any means. Um, it's not America, that's for sure. 
And uh, yeah, we do we do have our own problems. And I just want to focus on that. But I I do see people kind of pandering to this guy. That yeah, well, and the same thing with Malay too, Salvador. right? You see the same thing with Malay and whoever that lady is that just got elected in Italy. Everyone's like celebrating this right wing. And when Boris got yeah. elected, he ended up being a sham. But everybody was so excited that Boris was elected because it was going to catalyze Brexit. And yeah, we we get all carried away with like like it's some major victory for America when a right winger gets elected somewhere else. It's like right. maybe we should just be focused Absolutely. about saving our own damn country. <laughs> I concur. Yes, sir. I Thanks agree for your with call, you Kevin. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. So we've got about 40 seconds left before the next break. Uh, so I'm not going to have time to take any more calls. But I do want to mention that what we're going to air over the next hour and a half of this show is first, I believe we're going to air the Owen and Richard Hirschman renowned and bomber interview on Owen Schroyer's new podcast, 30 Minutes, which I like to say is half as long and twice as good as 60 Minutes. So that's going to be coming up for 30 minutes. Then after that, there's going to be an hour of the Alex Jones show with the same guest, Richard Hirschman, the renowned and bomber, talking about all of his discoveries, experiences, and insights. Oh, John Aluni. Excuse me. I apologize. It's going to be John Aluni. Stick with us, folks, for more on the other side. Interesting guests. Censored topics. It's InfoWars 30 Minutes with Owen Schroyer. Brought to you by InfoWarsStore.com. My guest today is Richard Hirschman, and the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear his story as a funeral director and an embalmer, but you might want to hear this story because it could affect you or your family members or people you know that have received the COVID-19 vaccine. Richard, thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, you have an interesting background. You have been a funeral director and embalmer for decades now, so you have a lot of experience in this field. And when you started seeing these fiber clots in individuals, you were shocked, you were concerned, it was something you'd never seen before. Not from a few short years of work, but from decades of work. Yes, 20 years. So 20 years, an embalmer, a funeral home director, you'd never seen anything like what you saw. Nope, never seen anything um, until early 2021, Usually I estimate around May. It could have been um, a little earlier than that, March or April. But when I first saw it, I was, you know, just kind of perplexed. You know, sometimes you run across things that are different, unusual, and you chalk it up as, well, that was strange. But, but as, it might be a one-off. Yeah. When you're talking about, you know, dead bodies, corpses, might be a one-off here, a one-off there. But you kept seeing this. Right, because uh, we were seeing an increase in clotting, uh, especially uh, towards the end of 2020, but especially when 2021 came around in January, uh, the clotting issues just got worse. But sometime within the first three, four or five months, the clotting was getting more and more, um, more and more stringy and all this stuff. And then I started seeing these white fibrous strands and I was... Um, taken back and wasn't really keeping track of it at the time, but a one-off, well, that's weird. Again, huh? And But as the summer was going along through May, June, July, we were seeing it more and more often. And I started asking questions of others that uh, around me that I work with and other embalmers that I know uh, nobody could explain it, and all of them were, the actual active embalmers were starting to notice the same thing. 
So you have talked to other embalmers. I was going to ask you that. You actually brought some examples here, mm -hmm. if you want to grab a couple of those, because I think it's important also to explain that these are not normal blood clots. You're saying you've never seen anything like this. Right. A normal blood clot looks like grape jelly. Um, sometimes they can be a little bit on the larger side. But if you try to manipulate them, it's kind of like trying to hold on to jello or grape jelly. It is red in color, um, and they tend to fall apart. You can almost rub them in your finger like this, and it just simply will start to dissolve. And when we would remove larger blood clots in the past, you see these. You could, um, you would have to be very, you know, to try to get it out in one piece. You had to be extremely delicate. Um, but these right here, you grab a hold of them, and I've had some that are uh, where I put a ruler next to it, and it was 33 inches long out of an artery, which is even more alarming because clots normally would be found in Looks veins. like you have a couple others in there, too. Huh? You yeah, have a couple got, more, I've too? I've got a couple more here. Um, I'm just trying to compare and contrast. I mean, they look pretty similar, so so, the but, but these stuff, look a little different. They Right. What, the reason why it's a little dark... I mean, these are huge. Right. Now, the, uh, the, um, the one that looks really thick, um, I can't remember, but I believe that's one. That's just one strand. Yes, but this is an interesting one because... Um, but either way, none of these had been seen before the COVID vaccine for you. Not for me. I have, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it. And, and all of the people that I talked to, and some of the embalmers that I talked to, you know, I had 20 years at the time. I talked to people that had 30, 40, even 50 years. And uh, they'd never seen anything like it either. And again, I mean, I'm looking at these things. They're, they're massive. I mean, these are enough to potentially or outright kill somebody. Right. Now, the, the, the big controversy that's going out there right now, or some people are trying to say is, you know, anti-mortem, which means before death, or post-mortem, meaning these things are forming after death. Either way, for me as the embalmer, it doesn't matter. I'm seeing something I'd never seen before, and I'm seeing this way too often. You know, right now I'm seeing them probably at one scale, you know, they're, you know sometimes they're not always as big, sometimes they're smaller, but I'm finding this white fibrous stuff um, and probably at least 50% of the people that I'm embalming now. Do you have any doubt that this is from the COVID-19 vaccine? Well, I, after all of the people I've talked to, I believe it's related to the COVID vaccine. But at the same time, all of the experts that I talked to and some of the scientists and doctors and pathologists, they leave room for the COVID virus itself. And as because they believe this is spike protein related. The spike protein on the outside of the virus through natural infection is still there. You mean you still can have it. The problem what these uh, believe is the mRNA injection was meant to cr make your body create the spike protein. And then from all of my understanding is the spike protein during COVID, they were saying the you know, the COVID itself was thrombogenic. It became a clotting issue. It became a blood issue. Then to find out that it's the spike protein, which seems to be the 
the bad part of this virus. And then instead of making a traditional vaccine of some kind, they utilize a modified mRNA to make your body create that spike protein, a synthetic spike protein, which means now you've got your body making the spike protein that is thrombogenic by itself. There's a problem here. When does this, when, when does that go away? Is there a turn off switch in order to, when the body stops making the spike protein? I'm not a doctor, I'm not a pathologist, and I'm not even a scientist. All I know is what I see, and it's just, in my mind, it is common sense. If you guys admit that the spike protein's thrombogenic, why did you create a vaccine to make your body create the spike protein? Well, it's, it's concerned you enough to talk to the media about this, to go speaking in public about this, but there would be a way, and I know this is probably not involved in your field, I don't know if you've done any follow-up, but there would be a way to find out the individuals where you remove these fibrous clots from, which, again, you, you brought four examples, you have dozens of these, or you could have hundreds, I suppose, but you could ask, are these individuals vast or not? Has there been any background check into that? Well, um, in the earlier days, when everybody was super proud to shout out their vaccine status and where that wasn't, you know, people were scared of COVID. And sometimes, you know, if the funeral director were to ask the question, they would know. And then that's where I would get my information. As a trade embalmer, which is what I do, I no longer sit down and speak with the families like I'm speaking to you and going over the funeral arrangements, getting some background information, filling out information for death certificate, and just getting some idea of what happened to your loved one, and then just bring up, was your your loved one vaccinated by chance? You know? Um, But now at this point where we are, uh, it's kind of become taboo. We went from be proud, show your vaccine status, look, I'm vaccinated, to now I don't want to talk about it. Right. It's not your right. It's not your right. It's, it's a HIPAA violation for you to ask me my vaccine status when just, you know, a year or so or two years ago, you had to show papers to show you're vaccinated to go to a damn restaurant. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, I wouldn't say it's like an admission of guilt, but it's kind of like an admission of, yeah, even I'm a little concerned, maybe. I'm a little nervous. Yeah. Well, the reason why, and, and I could show you on my phone um, a reply that I had given to this person who's uh, a part of the movement before I went public. My concern was I'm seeing an obvious change in the people's blood. It's an anomaly. An anomaly, but it's no longer an anomaly. It's become a routine. I see mm. something's wrong. The other morticians that I know, they see something's wrong. Some of them are vaccinated, some are not. Even the vaccinated ones are seeing something don't look right. Now, some might want to sit there and deny it. But if I notice something's different in the blood, and back then, I didn't know. I didn't know if it was the vaccine, if it was the virus. I don't care if it was the, uh, you know, everybody's eating the wrong Doritos causing this. My point is, if we don't bring this to the attention of people that can investigate it, they'll never get to the cause. 
think about your you could be driving a car and get a recall because of a tie rod end or some a bad thing and the government makes the company recall those vehicles. happens all the time happens all the time but we can't look at something that could potentially be affecting over five billion people and and usually even with those car recalls it's a very small chance that you even have to deal with the windshield problem or whatever it is with these it looks like it might be a very high percentage chance we're talking maybe 10 percent or higher but you know when you get into the issue of people want to say well this could be caused by the virus or the vaccine i guess i'll just ask you if it was being caused if these clots were being caused by the virus don't you think you would have started seeing them in 2020 that's a great point because I've admitted that, yes, as 2020 was progressing, the clotting issues got worse. The blood was stringier and there was a lot more clotting, but it was still more, it was the more the traditional blood clots that we were used to seeing. It was still red and- Still red, just a lot more of it. Um, and, and this is a theory, and, but it makes sense to me. Again, I'm not a doctor. What was the difference? COVID, they said, was thrombogenic. All right, because of the spike protein. Well, now we got a vaccine that's going around and we're making the body create that spike protein, which means the vaccine by itself without COVID will make you have a thrombogenic issue, a clotting issue. Is, you, know, you could end up with clotting issue just because of the spike protein. The spike protein by itself is thrombogenic meaning it can cause clots. There are papers. You look at all of the potential adverse reactions, you're going to see thrombocytopenia, thrombosis, DVTs. You see heart issues. You see brain issues. You see strokes. Well, a small clot in the heart can cause a heart attack. Well, and every single one of those things you mentioned can be a side effect of a blood clot. Absolutely. And there again, I'm sitting here seeing the stuff in the, in my, on the table in front of me as... Their death certificates to the, the corner of the doctor will sit there, oh yeah, myocardial infarction or a heart attack or a stroke or a brain bleed or whatever. And when I sit there and I hear, you know, the, uh, uh, the funeral director sit there and say, oh yeah, they died of a heart attack. Um, it was, they said it was a heart attack or they said it was a stroke. And then I'm embalming this person and I see all this weird junk coming out of their blood and I'm like, oh, no wonder they died of a heart attack. Or well, did you start to notice that first? Did you start to notice? I mean, obviously, heart attacks are not an uncommon thing. Right. People do die from heart attacks. It, it, did Did you notice that first that these incidents were causing death more than they were before? I was getting. We were getting more people that were dropping dead unexpectedly. Like, um, you know, we, we had a case one time, and um, and it was in the latter part of 2021, I can't remember the month, in her 30s, and had been vaccinated and wasn't feeling right. Goes to the doctor. They don't, ah, you're fine, you know, we don't find nothing wrong with you. Goes home, drops dead, no autopsies performed. And I sit there and I'm embalming the body and they weren't these big ones like what I'm showing you right now, but there were many of them that were about the length of my fingernail and it looked like little parasites, but they're not parasites. And I got, I had to learn to change my terminology a little bit, but they were like little 
about that long, and there was a bunch of them coming out in the blood while I was embalming her. And I'm thinking, was that what killed her? I can't say. I'm not a pathologist. People accuse me. Well, you, how, who are you? You're, you're, you're just observing. I'm just observing. I am just telling you what I see and not just telling you about it. Well, I you're brought, showing it. I'm showing the evidence of what I see. You know, these fact checkers have had two years now hmm. to sit there and debunk my claims and my stories. They, if, if this stuff existed prior and it's in the medical literature and there's, you know, doctors, and they take pictures all the time. If this stuff was actually a normal occurrence, it would be all over in medical, medical literature. Why haven't they shown? Well, the fact checkers aren't interested in facts. No. I think that, no, I think that right. we have discovered that that is the case. But now there's enough data and even the medical documents are out that basically your account from this is backed up now by medical science as far as studies post-vaccine are concerned. But, but let, let's, let's just hone in on one thing. Part of the process of embalming is, is you're draining the liquids, you're draining the blood, right? We're pumping in uh, a preservative, formaldehyde typically, and we're pumping it into an artery. And then it's the, um, as, as that pressure builds up and it pushes it out and it comes out of the vein. So it's, you're pumping the fluid in through the arterial system and you're allowing the drainage to come out through the venous system. And so that's, that's, what, we, um, that's what we do for the preservation. Always, always, always in, in my earlier years is always, if you're going to run into blood clots, the blood clots are in the veins. It's where the there's arteries have pressure pushing your heart's pushing it forcing that fluid, so there's there's not like a lot of time or anything for the clot to form, but in the venous side as it's coming back towards the heart, it's the there's it's the pressure's lower the blood moves a little slower, and that's where blood sometimes will congeal that's where you get deep vein thrombosis and a lot of the blood clots they occur on that side. When I started seeing these clots, these white fibrous looking things that were coming out of the veins, and I started noticing them in the artery, and, and the only time I notice them in the artery, think about it, is I, I have to make an incision and open that up to put my instrument in there. And when I made my, make my incision, and if I, I see the clot right there, I could just take my forceps, which are like tweezers, and simply just Pull it out. And, and we've now seen this footage. Oh, absolutely. After that first interview that I, I, I did with, with um, uh, Dr. Jane Ribby, some of, the, some of the early comments were some people that were in the medical field, and they questioned that uh, when I had said that clots in arteries, they were like, clots in arteries. I mean, yeah, it can exist, but it's so extremely rare. Well, literally within like 48 hours I had one and and I cut I, I saw it in the vein and I had I had I had someone working with me and I had um I had this person take my phone and record me taken out of the vein and then it's been of seen course, millions of times now by the yeah. way and then I, um, no, that's a different one this is this is before that oh multiple ones oh, yeah. okay so it, it's not very often but 
then I turned everything, you know, put the phone down and all this. And I went to go ahead and open up the artery. And as, as soon as I opened up the artery, I saw it in the artery. And I was like, hold on a second. We got to sit there and, you know, I told her, I said, I want to record this one because people were just saying they don't happen in arteries. And I'm like, I'm and it barely it and it you. barely even took a day. And it barely took a day, maybe two days at the most, I think. From, and that's how from common this. it is compared to what zero it's, times no, before. No, it's it's not. Even now, it's not like it's super super common. But prior to all of this, the only time that I might see some kind of blood coagulation in an artery would have been a person that was found dead and they've been dead for several days, and somehow some blood in the arterial system um turns into like it literally looks like grape jelly and you can it's still in a, in a malleable state it's not a firm but, but you're talking about from almost no occurrences to now yes. it, you are seeing it but this is why i want to kind of why i wanted to hone in on this and and really get you to explain something if you put and you kind of explained this earlier you called it like grape jelly if you put if you can even get a blood clot to to stay in shape long enough and you put it in your fingers and you rub it like this, it's basically going to disintegrate and go away. If you put one of these fiber clots in your fingers and rub it like this, does it lose its shape at all? No. Um, so it's basically like a solid. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Yeah, it's it's almost like tissue, literally like like tissue. You're talking about like muscle tissue. No, well, it's muscle tissue is red and it's not as in the individual fibers, it's not as strong as this stuff. Um, this is almost like a uh, like a ligament or tendon rubbery stuff. It's not as hard as a as a ligament, but not exactly the same. But it's it's similar. Um, I wish I could. I, I, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to describe. I mean, you literally have to. Well, I guess maybe I would it. ask it like this: Could you even pull out a blood clot? and have it maintain its shape like that? Um, prior to 20, uh, prior to all of this, when we pull out a blood clot um, in the past, you can get some larger blood clots, but you had to be careful with them because they fall apart so easy. But not these. These don't. I've got a, a, an image where I took two of my locking forceps, which are kind of like a scissors, but they clamp into place. It's like a clamp. And, I, and, and I'm holding one of these clots, and I've got two forceps dangling from this thing, holding them in place. One was probably... So that's my, how strong it is. Yeah. It, can even, it can even hold weight. It holds, yeah, it can hold some weight. Now, the skinnier ones, they're, they're weaker, but you get some of these fatter ones, they're actually holding... Well, those holding ones weight. look pretty... Uh, <laughs> pretty pretty solid there like they could hold up some weight and they're not hollow that's they're not hollow people want to say that it's a vessel no it's not a vessel it's what's coming out of the vessels the only thing that should be coming out of the vessels is blood so i'm curious because I, I think quite frankly from my standpoint this would even add more validity to your observations here before you started noticing this stuff were you even interested in covid vaccines or say conspiracy theories or were you aware of any of the theories like did you have any thoughts about them at all or or you started seeing this and that's when you started to wonder right in the um when the covid vaccine came out late december 2020 and actually really started ramping up in january of 21 
I was asked by, uh, or I was offered to go get my COVID vaccine. The reason why I chose not to was because um, around May or June of 2020, I tested positive for COVID. Now it was mostly just a cold. It wasn't that big. I had a little bit of a bad cough, but it didn't last very long. I didn't do anything major. Um, the only reason why I tested positive is because my wife was sick and she would, didn't want to go to the doctor by herself. I said, well, I'll go with you. And I mean, if you get that, I'll get tested with you. Come to find out that I had had, had it. Um, without that test, I wouldn't have known. But when, when I was offered to go get the vaccine, it was still at a time where you had, you had to re- meet the age requirement. The elderly were first and the people and then the fr- and also some of the frontline people. And because I work with the dead, they kind of considered us that way. So I was offered a few times to go down to the health department at a certain time and a date where we could go and get our shot. My mind said, I already had COVID. Why would I get a vaccine for something that I already had? And if the vaccine is so important, which at the time I didn't think either way, pro or against, wasn't 100% a big deal. But, but in other words, you didn't have any agenda or preconceived notions. No. I, why would I and, I? and I didn't take the vaccine because why would I prevent somebody else who might need it when the, mm-hmm. the supply was relatively short at the time? You know, it, it, remember, it went through stages. I mean, in the beginning, you had to be a certain age. You had to have, you know, frontline doc or a frontline uh, worker. Well, I would guess it goes without saying you're glad you didn't take it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It did take it didn't take but a few months or uh, uh, just a couple of months into into 2021. Watch the full video right now at band.video. I believe that um, come May the 24th, it's going to get very dystopian very quick. And you'll be aware yourself, you know, these rats, they know their game is up. They know that the, the Great Reset is, is suddenly morphing into the Great Awakening. So with that, these people have become particularly dangerous as they thrash about in the, in the death throes of their plan. You know, so I would say that as it gets really dark, and it's got to get dark for people to see it, for people to see that what people like me are predicting will come to pass, and then we will see it, and then we can end their tyranny. But it's going to come at great cost, like all wars. You know, no, victory never comes without cost. Historically, um, obviously, being a funeral director for 18 years, you get a lot of experience in the field. I kind of have a good idea who should be dying when and in what numbers and at what ages. You know, historically, it's always been a seasonal um, uh, uh, it, business in that in the winter there are more deaths from winter flu and stuff like that generally the elderly and cancer is a very interesting one so pre to uh, prior to the covid rollout covid job rollout we would get people come in who'd lost a loved one to cancer and they would have a cancer story alex and that story would be two years five years even 10 years long we're now seeing people that are coming in who are dying from cancer in eight weeks from being asymptomatic to dead and these are people in their 40s and 50s. You know, these are people who wouldn't normally historically have died of cancer. So um, I, it's very interesting. I had um, an email from a hospice nurse today saying exactly that. And I've had a number of nurses reach out to me, hospice nurses, and I've been putting them in touch with peers and MPs and, you know, trying to generate some momentum to get this truth out to people. You know, uh, the other thing we're seeing, I would say percentage wise, 
they're making great effort to clean up disease that released to me now. I know that. Um, the pathology that's been used is uh, you get two types of pathology. You've got regular pathology where a post-mortem is done. And then, for example, in a murder case, you've got forensic pathology, which is a slightly increased level of dissection, a bit more thorough, a thorough look. And I believe they're making great effort because they know I've been very um, vocal to clean these deceased out. And primarily, we're not finding much inside um, uh, post-mortem deceased now. So um, in 2021, early 2021, um, I saw a video from a guy called Richard Hirschman, who's an Alabama-based embalmer, and he talked about white clots that he'd been seeing. And we were struggling to um, embalm deceased in our care. And we thought initially that the, uh, the embalming pump wanted servicing. So we checked out the pump. The pump checked out fine. We then had a young guy in who was 30 who died suddenly, and he, his family had asked us to embalm him. We started that process, and when we opened him up and tried to embalm him, we found that he was full of white, unnatural clots. Um, so the, the way it works is there are two types of death, Alex. There's an expected death and an unexpected death. Now, with an expected death, um, if we're embalming someone, we make an incision under the collar line in the carotid artery. We insert a pump that pumps formaldehyde around the body using the circulatory system. And we're able to do that um, with people that have, have not been embalmed. But where an embalming has taken place, the coroner removes the organs, does blocks of slides and checks and tries to ascertain the cause of this sudden death. Then he places the organs back in. But clearly, during the removal of those organs, it compromises the uh, integrity uh, of the circulatory system. So you can't do it from one point of the carotid artery, and they have to be manually targeted. And when we took the organs out of this young man and we targeted the, the arteries, you could see the physical obstruction, uh, obstruction in the arteries. And when my embalmer's pulled it out, he's pulled um, a white clot out the entire length of this young man's leg. And that has uh, continued throughout 2021, 2022 and onwards. It's common knowledge within the industry. Some people are talking about it. Some people won't talk about it. I suspect some people uh, who are members of certain societies have probably got a vow of silence is the reality. Um, but it doesn't change the truth, Alex, you know, and I, I'm very much like you, where I've got a moral compass that drives me onwards and I refuse to stay silent. You know, they've tried to buy me. They tried to bump me off when I was in hospital uh, and um, they uh, uh, expelled me from uh, an overseeing government body, uh, governing body that I was a member of. It won't stop me from telling the truth and I'm going to keep telling the truth. And I, it comes from, I could tell you, when I first spoke out three, three years ago, uh, it was from a very lonely place. Um, not now because I'm seeing it. Uh, you know, uh, and other people are seeing it. So I kind of draw comfort from that and hope that this will all end soon and the criminals responsible can be brought to justice. While other networks lie to you about what's happening now, InfoWars tells you the truth about what's happening next. Visit InfoWars.com forward slash show and share the link today. All right, my friends, we are back live broadcasting worldwide now into our number two. And all the news we're going to be covering this hour ties into the insane biomedical system we're facing. I'm going to show TV viewers overhead shot, please. We have Pierre Polyvier, the guy that will probably end up being the next leader of Canada, who's totally anti-globalist, coming out and saying, we've just received these documents. Trudeau 
has been covering up a massive security breach at the Trudeau government, most sensitive laboratory, where the most dangerous viruses and pathogens are studied and handled, gain of function, bioweapons. Trudeau's government, head of pathogens, was collaborating with members of Beijing's People's Liberation Army. Now, what does Senator Paul talk about? Fauci held conferences called in support of gain of function. How to accelerate gain of function. Now, they were already caught robbing the bank with the Wuhan lab and the leak and then the poison shots. But then we have emails going back to 2014-15 under Obama when Fauci was running this program and the scientists at Chapel Hill, North Carolina, on record back then, said this is as illegal as hell. They're doing gain of function, turning the common cold with coronaviruses into stuff that'll kill you deader than a hammer. So they moved the project to Wuhan to have plausible deniability. And now Victoria Newland, the ambassador to Europe, admits that, okay, the U.S. does have biolabs, like Putin said, in Ukraine. That's why we got to go to war to stop him from getting it. I got that clip. You want to see it? It's right here, overhead shot. You want to see it again? I'm not making this up. Told you that three years ago before the Russians invaded. And I was the big evil conspiracy theorist. But I want to go to our guest because this all ties in together with it. He's a very busy man. We appreciate his time. With Congressman Matt Gates exposing it. But just remember this article. American Heart Association, this is all confirmed, was paid off by Procter & Gamble to say heart disease was caused by saturated fat from beef or pork or chicken or anything. And it's not. It's seed oils that absolutely you're not designed to eat that just to kill you dead in a hammer. They knew this decades ago, and the documents have come out in lawsuits. They paid them off to cover it up. So th they're doing this on a lot of fronts, not just the genetically engineered mRNA gene therapies that the Depending on what insurance company numbers you let it look at or what government numbers, the numbers are conservatively 17-plus million, up to 23 million dead. They admit life expectancy dropping in every Western country, fertility nosediving, cancers exploding. It's all parabolic. The disease, the illnesses are going straight up. The fertility is going straight down. And then you've got the rubber meeting the road. The pathologists, the coroners, the undertakers, the embalmers, the, 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 the people that see it, and, and, the, and the people that run the mortuaries, the people that run the graveyards. And there's just record level amount of people dying, getting buried, particularly children, because it's rare to see a bunch of dead kids. And now they tell you on the news, it's regular to have heart attacks when you're five. So we'll go to our guest, but I wanted to just dovetail. This is a big picture here. Here is the man who is in the lead to be the next prime minister of Canada with the man that says he admires China's dictatorship. Breaking the news in Parliament of the incredible information they have. Here it is. We've just received these documents that Trudeau has been covering up for years documents related to a massive security breach at the Trudeau government's most 
sensitive laboratory where the most dangerous viruses and pathogens are studied and handled. We have learned that the Trudeau government's head of pathogens was collaborating with members of Beijing's People's Liberation Army who are responsible for bioweapons and bioterrorism. We know now that uh, a People's Liberation Army official was able to gain personal access, walk in the door, look at computers, and have access to all of our most important vir virological secrets. Let me, if you think any of this is hyperbole, read the report yourself. And we've got that linked up on Infowars.com. It's even Politico's covering it. Pierre Polyvier is Canada's next Conservative Party leader. He is the leader. Okay. So, one more clip and we'll go to our guest for the balance of the hour. And I appreciate his incredible courage. Out of all the amazing embalmers and, and, and undertakers out there, he's been, for what he's exposed, the, the most prominent of a lot of really good whistleblowers. Uh, but here is the uh, U.S. Secretary of State minion, uh, Victoria Newland, working with Ukraine to prevent biological research facilities from falling into Russian hands. Remember, just a year ago, they said it was a conspiracy theory. The same biolabs the U.S. always denied existed and knew nothing about. Here, here she is in Congress. Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. Okay, but then we have this headline, Infowars.com, Canadian head of pathogens collaborated with the Chicom military at Winnipeg Biolab. And Trudeau covered it up. All right, John O'Looney joins us. He's with Milton Keynes Family Funeral Services. John O'Looney runs a family-owned business in the UK called Milton Keynes Family Funeral Services. He and his family have worked hard over the past few years to create and grow the business and have had the honor of serving a massive number of families with personalized caring services. And uh, he has uh, spoken out against the white clots that nobody's ever seen until now. Also, these coffee grain uh, clots that he's been seeing in the bodies he deals with. And the website is mkffs.co.uk. So we have funeral director John O'Looney joining us. Uh, John, thank you so much for watching your stuff uh, the last few years as this has unfolded. I know you've been censored. I know you've been uh, attacked. And we really appreciate you. Just in summation up front, and then you can drill into it. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about your work and what you've witnessed and, and then where you think this is all going. Hello. Um, my name's Sean O'Leary. I'm a funeral director based in Milton Keynes. I've been a funeral director for 18 years. Ten of those were spent working for a big main funeral provider. And then I jumped ship and set up on my own eight years ago. Um, and I've been a funeral director, obviously running my own funeral home ever since. Talk about what you began to, to, to witness, because a lot of people know who you are. They, you've had hundreds of millions of people see your videos. But for those that don't know who you are, describe the process of what you normally saw and when you started seeing uh, these new developments in 2021. 
so um, in 2021, early 2021, um, I saw a video from a guy called Richard Hirschman, who's an Alabama-based embalmer, and he talked about white clots that he'd been seeing. And we were struggling to um, embalm deceased in our care. And we thought initially that the, uh, the embalming pump wanted servicing. So we checked out the pump. The pump checked out fine. We then had a young guy in who was 30 who died suddenly, and he, his family had asked us to embalm him. We started that process, and when we opened him up and tried to embalm him, we found that he was full of white, unnatural clots. Um, so the, the way it works is there are two types of death, Alex. There's an expected death and an unexpected death. Now, with an expected death, um, if we're embalming someone, we make an incision under the collar line in the carotid artery. We insert a pump that pumps formaldehyde around the body using the circulatory system. And we're able to do that um, with people that have, have not been embalmed. But where an embalming has taken place, the coroner removes the organs, does blocks of slides and checks and tries to ascertain the cause of this sudden death. Then he places the organs back in. But clearly, during the removal of those organs, it compromises the uh, integrity uh, of the circulatory system. So you can't do it from one point of the carotid artery, and they have to be manually targeted. And when we took the organs out of this young man and we targeted the, the arteries, you could see the physical uh, obstruction in the arteries. And when my embalmer's pulled it out, he's pulled um, a white clot out the entire length of this young man's leg. And that has uh, continued throughout 2021, 2022 and onwards. Absolutely incredible. And I've literally seen hundreds of different embalmers and undertakers talk about this, show videos of this. I've had dozens of them on the last few years. But I've looked at medical literature, and then I've had pathologists on, I've had coroners on, I've had uh, medical examiners on, medical doctors, and they say they're seeing the same thing. I see reports by the big big German pathology group saying, we've never seen this before. So, but 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 you see way more than a pathologist does. You're you're again right there, kind of on the river sticks. Those people are going over the other side. And, and I know that your profession is one of the oldest in the world, one of the most scientific. I mean, what you do, it's different today. It goes back to Egypt, is preserving and embalming the body. Nowadays, I guess it would be to have the person look good, to say goodbye at a public event or an open casket. And, you know, it gives some great closure to people. So I think you do great work, hard work. Uh, but but you guys are an ancient science. I mean, you, you guys have been looking at dead bodies for 4,000 years, that's, and correct me if I'm wrong, this all comes out of Egypt, and, and, and now you're seeing things suddenly in 2021 you've never seen before. Exactly that. I mean, I worked for the coroner. The 18 years I've done, I've done seven years of that was spent working for the Northamptonshire coroner. My bod, uh, job was body recovery. So I would go to pick up uh, deceased people from all manner of places, be it RTAs, uh, road traffic accidents, suicides, hangings, literally sometimes pieces of people um, and all manners. And whilst I might not know the Latin phrase for every nerve and ligament, I could certainly look at the inside of someone and tell you if it looked normal, yes. And but it's not just you. It's the pathologists. It's, it's, it's the coroners. They're all saying they're seeing what you're seeing. You just see, as, as, as the folks doing the embalming, you, you do the dirty work, and you guys are saying, universally, I've had a bunch on, you've never seen what you're seeing. And, I, and you already talked about it, but go, go into when you first started seeing these, 
and when the alarm bells went off, but it's not just the big, long, three-foot-long clots, right? It, you, you, you're saying it's also what we're hearing about coffee grounds. Yeah, so the coffee grounds one is it's almost like rust that we're seeing. The blood is rust, and it was interesting because I spoke to one mortuary manager um, over in, uh, I believe it was Stoke Mandeville, and they um, happened or was it John Radcliffe? One of the two, anyway. But this particular girl, she said that, um, in her words, it turned the blood to glue. You know, and this was some time ago. So it's common knowledge within the industry. Some people are talking about it. Some people won't talk about it. I suspect some people uh, who are members of certain societies have probably got a vow of silence is the reality. Um, but it doesn't change the truth, Alex, you know, and I, I'm very much like you, where I've got a moral compass that drives me onwards and I refuse to stay silent. You know, they've tried to buy me. They tried to bump me off when I was in hospital uh, and um, they uh, uh, expelled me from uh, an overseeing government body, uh, governing body that I was a member of. It won't stop me from telling the truth and I'm going to keep telling the truth. And I, it comes from, I could tell you, when I first spoke out three, three years ago, uh, it was from a very lonely place. Um, not now because I'm seeing it. Uh, you know, uh, and other people are seeing it. So I kind of draw comfort from that and hope that this will all end soon and the criminals responsible can be brought to justice. That That is powerful information. And I was just telling the crew while you were talking, wow, when we post this later as a video or not live, put what you just said up front about the moral compass because I see this as a corruption operation. The average coroner, the average embalmer, the average mortuary operator, the average nurse or doctor is not corrupt or evil. But they're handed this fraud, the death starts, and it's scary to tell people, hey, this thing's happening, we're giving this big signal. And then when they are silent, now they begin to get captured by the corruption. And, and, and what's exciting is three years ago, you were one of the first people speaking out. I remember that. Now you've been totally validated. But I see you nodding your head. Give us your view on that. Well, to be honest with you, I think what we've got is we've got a lot of good people doing very bad things for money. By design, we're all slave to the money lender, aren't we? You know, everyone is. We've all got bills to pay. So how long do you keep a secret before you then become complicit in that crime? And I would suggest, is it three months? Is it six months? At what point do you become complicit in the crime? And and uh, I think therein lies the problem. And I've racked my brain because a lot of these people, these mortuary staff, they're good people. I knew them beforehand. They cared very much about what they were doing and about people. They had that moral compass. Why are they doing what they're doing? I can only um, say it must be down to money. And the way I think it's probably been done is they probably, uh, and I would hasten to add this, is only me guessing. I'm guessing they were offered a sum of money probably in 2019 for a non-disclosure agreement, a non-disclosure agreement that simply states you will not talk about anything at work outside work. They're paid a lump sum, I believe, and they couldn't believe they are up. They took that money. Who wouldn't? They've then um, uh, been busy spending that money. 2019 has come and gone. 2020 has appeared. COVID has appeared. And they've gradually sunk in this quagmire totally unable to be able to talk about anything because of this non-disclosure agreement. And I would su suggest that it's probably um, where you'll get sacked, you'll get deregistered, and you'd have to repay the sum of money you had. That's my gut feeling because I knew these people. A few of them have got really strong will. You know, they're strong characters. I don't think it would be intimidation. I think it's got to be financial and an agreement they've made and they've become complicit over the months, you know, uh, and they're now... 
they've got no way to go. They've got no way to turn because they've been hiding it for so long. They're actually implicated in it now. And the reason you wouldn't know is because you broke out on your own, as you said, eight years ago. So the, the and, and we know they had them sign a lot of non-disclosures in, in the regular medical field. So we know that's going on. But describe for viewers and listeners and go wherever you want because you're the expert on this, sir. Uh, John Aloni's our guest. MKFFS.co.uk. MKFFS.co.uk. We'll put it on screen here. About when you started to see it, uh, kind of the graph of how bad it's gotten. Is it worse now? Uh, has it has it subsided some because people aren't taking as many shots? Who are you mainly seeing this in? Well, uh, historically. Um Obviously, being a funeral director for 18 years, you get a lot of experience in the field. I kind of have a good idea who should be dying when and in what numbers and at what ages. You know, historically, it's always been a seasonal um, uh, uh, business in that in the winter there are more deaths from winter flu and stuff like that. Generally, the elderly. Um, cancer is a very interesting one. So pre to uh, prior to the COVID rollout, COVID jab rollout, we would get people come in who'd lost their loved one to cancer and they would have a cancer story, Alex. And that story would be two years, five years, even 10 years long. We're now seeing people that are coming in who are dying from cancer in eight weeks from being asymptomatic to dead. And these are people in their 40s and 50s. You know, these are people who wouldn't normally historically have died of cancer. So um, I, it's very interesting. I had um, an email from a hospice nurse today saying exactly that and i've had a number of nurses reach out to me hospice nurses and i've been putting them in touch with peers and mps and you know trying to generate some momentum to get this truth out to people you know uh, the other thing we're seeing i would say percentage wise they're making great effort to clean up disease that released to me now i know that um the pathology that's been used is uh you get two types of pathology. You've got regular pathology where a post-mortem is done. And then, for example, in a murder case, you've got forensic pathology, which is a slightly increased level of dissection, a bit more thorough, a thorough look. And I believe they're making great effort because they know I've been very um, vocal to clean these deceased out. And primarily, we're not finding much inside um, uh, post-mortem deceased now. It tends so let's to be stop right there. Stop right there. I'm not a mortician like you or trained by a coroner. But I do, I've studied the science just to understand it. Never before, or very rarely, when the autopsies or any of that, they're not doing embalming, they're not cleaning out the arteries, they're not cleaning out the veins. You guys began to discover this when you just try to put the formaldehyde in to the, you know, to the big arteries of the big veins to get the body ready. You couldn't get it through. That's what they all told me. I've had a bunch of, bunch of people on, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you suddenly, the veins were all clogged up, never before saw it, starting in 2021. And, and, then, and then now you're getting prepared or quasi-prepared, already cleaned up bodies. You, that's what you just said. So now the hospitals yes. are having to do cover-up. Yeah, I, be, I believe that's wow. what's happened. They're, we're seeing different uh, tactics by different Let's hospitals. just stop. Let's stop. You don't believe it. You're an expert that does this for a living. Did you ever see this uh, hardly ever. When did you see bodies that you're calling, quote, almost basically prepared already? So they're having to do your job, clear cover-ups, what you're saying, before you get yeah. the bodies now. That is incredible. Yeah, I, I'm finding that certain parts of the body are being very much more dissected, and I know that's to clean these bodies out. I know these people are seeing what I'm seeing, and when I first came across it, I tackled the coroner. I sent an email in. I said, look, 
We've got this young guy and we found these uh, really unreasonable clots inside him. But this is an illustration of that. Show us again. Go ahead. So this came out of uh, a woman's carotid artery. Um, yeah, so basically we made an incision. We pumped the formaldehyde in. And when we removed the pump, there's back pressure. And this fell out onto the tray from the back pressure. And this was inside this woman's carotid artery and would have been throughout our system. And we're finding this in around about uh, uh, where well, they did. Um, Major Tom Haviland was a real gentleman, um, your neck of the woods. He did uh, an anonymous survey to all embalmers. And the, the estimate is it's around 30, 40% of the bodies. Some areas it's 50% of the bodies. Um, we're seeing unnatural levels of cancers, for example. And I would suggest that many of these cancers are probably these inside people's lungs and arteries. That's my gut feeling. Um, because people are dying that just wouldn't normally die. And they're dying at ages they wouldn't normally die. And they're calling you know, it and they're calling it cancer. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Wow. I mean this is unbelievable. Wow. And and and, and again you could say, oh the government it was an accident, but then you look it no, was it made wasn't. in the it wasn't. Exactly. Well, speak so, to that. Let me tell you. So we gotta go to break. Stay in, there. In, uh, We're back in just a few minutes. Incredible interview. I'm gonna try to shut up and give you the floor. To just go over it all for people, but I want people to realize the magnitude of what they're hearing right now, and now they're covering up the bodies before they ship them to the mortuary, folks, because they know the people that have looked at thousands of bodies are going, what in the hell is this? This is unbelievable. And I know a lot of the morticians we talked to said they're seeing an increase. Even though the shots have stopped, this is increasing now. And is it getting into people that didn't take the shot? Is the shedding causing it? We'll talk to our guest, John O'Looney. All right, John O'Looney is a funeral director in England, in the UK. And he's been one of the most prominent people speaking out for three years. Now they're speaking out all over the world. They're seeing the same thing. Weird blood clots, white blood clots, things they've never seen before, mass death. And we see the real numbers from insurance companies showing that. So I said, looks to me like this isn't an accident. You said, oh, no, it's not an accident, and, and, and the break was coming up. But people ask, why would the system do this? Because once they get the medical system to go along, now they're compromised. Now they can really depopulate people and get away with this. This is all a test in my view. John O'Looney, you got cut off with a break. Please start over when I interrupted you with. You were saying, no, this is not by accident. No, so um, basically I, I'd been very vocal, really, since the tail end of 2020 because – there were no extra deaths in 2020. Um, and uh, we, I had a guy call me um, early in 2020. He said his name was John. He said that he was um, working for a government-sponsored company and he was part of the pandemic effort. And he's, the, the name he gave me was Pandemic Resilience. So I, he said that he would call me every Monday and he would ask a number of questions. And I, um, those questions were, how many could I hold capacity-wise deceased? Um, where had I picked people up, where from, how many, and how many were COVID. And this was at a time when the doctor had stopped attending. So I would tell him this information. I would tell him every week when he rang up on a Monday, and he would add that to his to his numbers. And straight away, he started steering me. He started labeling people as COVID deaths that weren't. When I asked him why, for example, I'll give you an example. So I picked up one guy from a care home. He'd been there five years. He had onset dementia. I spoke to his family at the point of arrangement. They agreed he'd been there five years from onset dementia. There was no doctor present, no COVID test done, yet he would insist he was a COVID death over the phone. And I would ask him why, and he said that's because they had one deceased that passed away having given a positive PCR test. 
and they were instructed to label everyone as a COVID death from that point forward. So what happened was there were no more deaths than normal, but there were loads and loads of COVID deaths. So when it came to the beginning um, of 2021, everyone was begging for a cure and holding their arm out. And then people started dying. And I've been very vocal about this throughout 2021. Um, and in September of 2021, I took a call from a guy called Mark Sexton, who's a retired police uh, constable here in the UK. He invited me to a meeting in Westminster, um, at a place called Birdcage Walk. So I attended this meeting. It was September the 28th, I believe, of 2021. And present at the meeting were Professor Dolores Cahill, Dr. Tess Laurie, um, Dr. Sukarit Bakdi, uh, Dr. Stephen Frost, Dr. Sam White, uh, a lawyer, Anna Debissere and Philip Hyland, a barrister called uh, Francis Hoare, and a minister, a very senior government minister by the name of Sir Graham Brady. Now, Sir Graham is the commissioner of something called the 1922 Committee, and politics vary from country to country. But this is a guy who's the commissioner of a group of men who hire and fire prime ministers in, in this country. So there is no one above him politically. So... We all had five minutes because their time is precious. And we, I abbreviated basically what I've, I've kind of skimmed over what I've said. Um, I then listened as it went round the table, all telling Sir Graham Brady their concerns. And I'll be honest, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. They said that people that have had an active ingredient will die between years two and five and that there was no cure if they'd had an active ingredient. And my jaw was on the, on the table. Then Sir Graham actually openly admitted it was above his pay grade and he could do nothing about it. And he said whilst he would try, he couldn't promise anything. And at the end of the meeting, it was put to him by a number of us that when people find out what you've done, there'll be civil unrest the like of, that we've never seen. There'll be civil war. I'm still convinced there'll be civil war if we don't stop this. He so, sir, I've seen a lot of your videos, and I and I and I believe you, but the, I, did, I have not known this information. Start over and explain. You're at this high level regulatory meeting. You're on this board, yes. and they are they are confessing to this. So, Sir Graham was told what would happen, and he said he couldn't stop it. You could see his face; he was ashen. He couldn't stop it. He said he would try, but he couldn't promise anything. And then he left the meeting. Now, we all went to this meeting um, universally. I certainly speak for myself and others that I've spoken to, thinking, oh, at last, someone's listening. You know, it's going to stop. We went there. He knew. He knew. And he openly admitted it was above his pay grade. But, 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 but put, what ad, uh, put what this, put, put the terms you used in layman's terms for us. So we told him what was going to happen. People were dying. People were going to die. They then went into the mechanics of how they were going to die from cardio issues, from the cancers, what would happen to vaccine recipients between years two and five post-vaccination. So Graham listened, and then he openly admitted he couldn't stop it. He said it was above his pay grade, and whilst he would try, he couldn't promise anything, and then he left the meeting. They knew what, that, they knew what was going to happen back in September of 2021. Wow. Now look at the excess deaths. We've had 100,000 extra excess sudden deaths in the last 12 months alone. The people that are coming through here, they're in their 40s, 50s, 30s sometimes. They're people that don't usually die, and every one of them has been COVID vaccinated. It needs to stop, and it needs to stop now. And the people that have done this need to be held to account. To give you an idea, 
I've spoken to two peers this week who have contacted me to gather evidence to start asking the right questions. Because if it was for me, I'd burst in the House of Parliament and I would stop it personally. But there's a certain way they have to do things, a certain protocol, a certain set of difficult, unanswerable questions that need to be answered. And that's the process. That's and by the way, John Ohlone, look, 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 pause that on screen. That is William Shakespeare, real name, uh, first man or second person to take the shot, first man in the UK. He died very soon after it. So did all these other countless people. So people don't know what peers are in the UK. These are high-level government officials. These are members of the of the Lords, the Royals. House of Lords. Yeah, absolutely, House of Lords. Explain to people, let's talk what that is, but also explain, they're now on mainstream media in the UK, in Australia, in Europe, in the US, because I watch it all, suddenly saying, oh, we never made you take it, and oh, yeah, it is bad, and don't worry, we'll... so it seems like they now know it's blown up in their face. Can, can you speak to that? Yes. Yeah, so I would say uh, I've been told by one of these peers in particular that these people are panicking now. They're running around like headless chickens because they know they've come on top. People have discovered what's happened. Um, I'm getting families coming in now who are not only going through the grief of losing someone, but they know the vaccines have killed them. I'm getting nurses. I've got 90 nurses' details on my phone where I put out and appeared on Telegram. And I said, look, if you're seeing what I'm seeing in the hospitals, please get in touch. Dozens and dozens of them have. I've, I'm taking emails from doctors, nurses, um, politicians, more harrowingly victims. And I don't think it's, it's beyond denial or doubt or gaslighting now. You know, Richie Sunak... Uh, and he's unelected. He banged his pen on the table in Westminster the other day saying these vaccines are safe and effective. It's utter rubbish. It's absolute utter rubbish. And I do wonder how long they would gaslight for because we're due for them to usher in the World Health Organization here on May the 24th. And I think they will gaslight and stall and make fake promises until that time they can usher them in. They can declare. I totally agree. Stop, stop. I, I want you to get, get, start over because you're really expert on this. Very informative. John Ohlone, a major funeral director there in the UK. And for those that don't know, this this UN treaty gives the UN through the governments control over our bodies. The medical response lets them cover up, lets them quarantine. They built all these giant. Whether you're in Canada, the US, UK, anywhere in the Western world, they've built these giant sprawling complexes. I agree. They got something big coming. And they don't want this to break before they release the next one, which will then cover up the last one. That That's my view. You cover up one story with an even bigger story. I think that's what you're alluding to. So I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Just, just, you're saying such important things. Expand on that. Well, there, there are two major things that concern me. I, I mean, I'm 56 years old. Um, I've seen many governments come and go. They all make manifesto promises they never, ever keep. Well, one of those promises is successive Home Office ministers have promised to ease prison overcrowding. They've never, ever done anything about that. And yet they've chosen a time when they're allegedly we're in the middle of a deadly pandemic and we have the worst economic downturn since World War II to build uh, uh, loads and loads of huge multi-million pound prisons, huge super prisons in the middle of a pandemic and the worst economic downturn. You know, why would we need huge super prisons. The other thing of real concern is the 5G network that's gone up. Now, I've skimmed over the technology. I've spoken to many people who have reached out to me who tell me 
this 5G network can uh, has the ability to influence nanotech and graphene oxide that is inside JAB recipients so that when certain frequencies are put out, it can induce adverse reactions in these recipients. By the way, and that's believe... not their opinion. That's in a bunch of Bill Gates and globalist patents. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. And that is what is going to happen. I, I believe that's going to happen shortly after May the 24th. And you know yourself, Alex, these people are Satanists. They're crazy. They're into numerology. And I'm kind of wondering if it will be perhaps the 6th of June or something like that, where it has real resonance with that. I think shortly after they install the WHO, they're going to declare another pandemic. And they've got the numbers now to be able to do that. And then we will see real tyranny across the Western uh, and developed world where anyone that falls under the WHO jurisdiction, they will see it. Well, let's be clear. They put, a, they put a self-replicating glue or sludge into everybody. As soon as you die, it all congeals like water and oil separating, and you see it everywhere. And then suddenly Bill Gates and MIT, and there's literally, I've seen hundreds of patents obsessed with what is in the shots, replicating, saying they'll do a brain interface. They could use the 5G, and this is in studies, to manipulate what happens in the blood, or God knows what, but clearly they're building towards something big. Then we have Tedros freaking out, saying everyone hates us, no one believes us. I mean, I think that's the good news. We have Trudeau saying everybody hates me, nobody believes me. We have Klaus Schwab saying everybody hates us. So so I think it's blown up in their face, but they're still going ahead with the next leg of the program. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, they're desperate now to usher the WHO in so that they can take a step back and the WHO can take over. And it's very interesting because we're seeing similar patterns of mass, uncontrolled, deliberate migration of young men of fighting age into Europe especially into the UK. That's being facilitated Who the by the UN own. exempts from all the shots. Yes, none of them are vaccinated. They're openly being housed in military and air bases and every bit of accommodation they can, they can gather here in the UK. Now, you know yourself, Alex, if you're fleeing a war, you're fleeing a tyranny, you take your women and children with you. They're your most important asset in your life. Well, they certainly are mine. If you're going to war, you go to war with the lads. And these are all young men, young men of fighting age. I've had military people that have re reached out. They've told me where they've trained them. They've told me the process. They sign the official secrets out before they get into the boats at France. Those boats are then broken down. The outboard motors go on one lorry. The boats go on the other. And they're sent back to France for reuse by our own home office. And it's the same program run by the UN everywhere. And so it's clear. When we rebel even peacefully and try to take our governments back, they just activate these hordes of military-aged men to burn everything down. Well, there's a cultural disassociation. Traditionally, if you want to kill people of color, you put white soldiers in. And if you want to kill white people, you put soldiers of color in. That's, that's traditionally what has been done the world over by these globalists. Um, so I would suggest that's probably happened. And these young men, unfortunately, they're coming here from the Far East, and they hate us when they get here because of what our governments have done. And they look at us as responsible for that, for voting them in. Exactly. And we're not. It, you know, you're really smart, John. It, it, it doesn't it, represent it, me. It, it's a Galian dialectic, exactly. Yeah, problem solution, you know. Um, so so I, I believe that um, come May the 24th, it's going to get very dystopian very quick. And you'll be aware yourself, you know, these rats, they know their game is up. They know that the, the Great Reset is, is suddenly morphing into the Great Awakening. So with that, these people have become particularly dangerous as they thrash about in the in the death throes of their plan. You know, so I would say that as it gets really dark and it's got to get dark for people to see it, 
for people to see that what people like me are predicting will come to pass and then we will see it and then we can end their tyranny. But it is going to come at great cost, like all wars. You know, victory never comes without cost. But the trouble is because there are not bullets flying at the minute and there's no blood and bullets everywhere, people can't see a war. There is a war very much being raised. Uh, well, that's because the, the bullets are coming in the form of syringes Needles. and propaganda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And malfeasance in the hospital. I mean, uh, for your listeners, uh, yeah, so a typical example of this to highlight this, um, one of the only antivirals they would allow inside COVID patients was um, a drug, uh, an antiviral called remdesivir, okay? Now, um, Remdesivir was used extensively by Anthony Fauci in Africa, and he used it to treat Ebola um, babies uh, that were deemed to have Ebola. Um, they were all asymptomatic. Now, he injected these babies, and uh, the mortality rate in them was 53%. That was remdesivir. Now, it's the only drug that the government policy dictated they could give respiratory patients that, who were deemed as suffering from COVID in the UK now. What I want your listeners to do is go to Google and Google side effects of remdesivir. Side effects of remdesivir. And now there's loads and loads of links. A good Organ one is failure. Um, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, you know, shortness of breath, tightness of chest. Why would you give that to someone who is a respiratory patient? And then also factor in midazolam and morphine. I've seen them doing it in hospitals. I've laid in a hospital bed and watched them feed people on ventilators and morphine in front of me. And for folks who don't know, you, you, that, that makes you just die. It makes you stop breathing. Yeah, of course it does. It, it suppresses your breathing. Well, if you're already in there and you're on a, a ventilator, it's going to blow your lungs out for a start. And then if you give someone red visive, uh, and it was very interesting because what was happening in um, 2021, I was picking people up from the hospital that I was told had COVID, they died from COVID, and the body bag was like half full of fluid, and I've never, ever seen that before in all my years, and I remember thinking at the time, what could that possibly be? Why is that Why is that like that? And they were all bloated. They were crying yellow tears and from the nose and from the ears, uh, and even being gentle as you can, pulling the deceased over, you would mark them where, you, you know, because they're so bursting with fluid, and I've since found out the remdesivir kills the kidneys so the body can't process fluid. So you fill up with fluid and you drown, and there's your respiratory illness. There's your COVID. And they pre-programmed it. They pre-planned it. They paid the hospitals massive money to oh, do of this. Course, yeah, they they massive money for everyone that had go. Everyone that went on ventilation in America, it was something like thirty nine thousand dollars that the hospitals were paid. Uh, the the so where they buy drugs here for the hospitals, they were told that if they took remdesivir, they would give them a discount on the other drugs they bought. And I've had that off more than one person who's reached out to me, you know, and you know yourself. I think I, I often wonder why people engage with me. I think because they know I'm not lying. So I get a lot of intel and a lot of people reaching out to me, people I would never speak to. So I gather a lot. And I think of I've never been deeply religious, Alex, but I think of the Bible, Ecclesiastes 118, where with knowledge comes sorrow and with a greater knowledge comes a greater sorrow. And that is what I really, really feel at this time. But I draw encouragement because I'm telling you, this great reset is going to be a great awakening. And I feel privileged to be a very small cog in a big machine that's going to bring these bastards down. Exactly. If it was I can a, see it in you. We're going, to, we're going to do it, mate. We're going to do it together. Yes, sir. You're right, John. I'm so honored to talk to you. And you said it earlier. Me, if, me, you. If bullets are flying, 
we 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 man up and we beat it. But if it's covert, it's very hard yeah. to beat. But yeah. that's why they did it. I but suppose. now people are getting it and realizing how premeditated it was. And when I saw Fauci a month ago in his deposition, he looks like he's a dead man walking. And I don't want any he violence against Fauci. I don't want to turn him into a victim. But I'm saying he knows he's done. And I think in one of your videos I saw recently, you said, power structure, you're screwed, it's over. And that's what you need to know more of. We know you did it. We know you creeped up and did this to the medical system. And, and, and everybody else in the medical system who isn't part of this, you better jump over to humanity and say no and speak out or you're complicit. So, so what is your message 100%. to people that are on the fence? Well, I would say, uh, and I noticed this with Sir Graham Brady, back, even back in September, you could tell here is a man sitting on the fence, not quite sure which side to fall on. Let me tell you, there's only one side to fall on, and that is the light and the goodness and the truth. And it says in the Bible, only the truth will set us free. These doctors, they all know. They know the truth. And their window of opportunity to right that wrong and redeem themselves grows shorter and shorter. Because once May the 28th comes here in Europe, we've, uh, do you know, one of the greatest gifts your forefathers gave you was the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms and to be able to fight tyranny. We've got nothing here. They're going to mop us up in Europe. We are, I'm, I know the price I will pay. But I do that for your children and for your neighbor's children and for people that I will never meet. And that is, uh, that, that's the one thing. I think a lot of this is AI driven. And the one thing AI can never take into account is the love that we have for each other, our humanity. And the older I've got, the more I've realized it is better to give than to receive. And my legacy would be truth and saving other people's lives, regardless of what happens to me. I'm not bothered about me. And, and John, only Ollone, about John me, you're a beautiful person. Spoken. If you keep going with this, I'll keep you. But uh, you probably got to go. But let me just explain something. We're going to win this in the info war, thanks to men and women like you. But let's just be clear, because you didn't grow up around a Second Amendment, tough guys in the UK, kick-ass, badass people, because that was taken from you because they're scared of you. Let me just say something. With a hammer, you can take all the guns you ever want, okay? With gasoline, you can take out anything you want. And I'm telling you, they can't stop our will, the kind of people they've got with their weapons. If they come for people, like Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, the Russians would have just stood up with their hammers against the NKVD, and that was in Germany, or against the uh, GRU and the KGB. They'd have won very quickly. So I'm just telling you right now, if you know total resistance, if we go to civil war and martial law, those soldiers are going to go to bars. Those soldiers are going to go to restaurants. Those soldiers are going to walk outside their house at night, and we're not looking for that. But if you study total resistance... They got a big problem. Listen, I've got guns, and I'm not going to use them offensively. If I got attacked, I will. I don't need any guns. I can get all the guns I want, and I can drive an 18-wheeler, and I can do a lot of stuff. So I'm just saying, very, so just when you say they're not going to mop you up, okay? I just want you, if we go to physical confrontation, you're going to destroy the New World Order. And you, uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think um, this is a war unlike any other, and I don't think it will come to violence. I sense these people are flapping now. They've lost it now. They're backtracking now. It's not going to come to that. It's going to be the only way forward, I think, is consciousness and us withdrawing our consent from them. Um, we're not going to have to fight them. They're, they're going to collapse. And when it does, I believe it will probably come from America and then the House of Cards will fall globally. And I've seen victory. It will come. I promise you, it will come. And it will be due to people like you um, relaying stories that, are, you know, that I've, I've been able to tell. I feel very, really privileged to speak to you, sir. I feel privileged to speak to you. What time is it in the UK right now? It is uh, five to seven in the evening.
Well, we really appreciate your time. I want to ask you to come on for a commercial-free show in the next few weeks because those are even more powerful than a lot of radio stations and TV stations. We have to take breaks. But in the time we have, what else would you like to impart to folks, John? I, I just um, – I would ask them to hold firm, stand there. You know, they're going to tell you you can't travel. They're going to tell you you can't buy food. They're going to tell you that you can't work. Stand firm because if you take any of these injections, they will kill you. You will get sick and you will die. Um, uh, and I think when the time comes and the next pandemic that Bill Gates has sat there and gloated about comes, get rid of the 5G mask because you'll find that you'll all recover quite quickly. Turn your internet off. You're going to recover quite quickly. You'll be surprised. Absolutely. Uh, but you just hit on something there. I know you got to go, but we got to go to break in a minute. Will you do five more minutes with us? Of course I will. I'm yours for as long all as right, well, you just, you just, I'm really, we have a lot of great guys, but you really, I can tell her dialed in. You just alluded to something. You said when they cut things off, they tell you you can't travel, you can't eat. You're telling people, and I totally agree. I know they've said it, but I know in my bones, they're getting ready for a new virus, a new lockdown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bill Gates has already said it, and he could barely contain his excitement when he, he sat there, didn't he, with uh, Melinda, and they could barely contain their excitement. I could see it. I know you could see it. Well, he said, and, and, oh, you're not scared of what happened? Something much worse is yeah. coming. And his son of yeah, a bitch starts giggling. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he said you'll take notice of this one. And he meant what he said. You know, uh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about it collectively? How much do we love each other? I love your children as much as I love mine. That's why I speak out. And I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And we will beat them. I know we're going to beat them. And the idea is to inspire others to want to do the same. We're going to beat them, Alex. Their time is like a flower in the field. Pretty soon the wind's going to blow over them, and its place will know it no more. Very impressive, John O'Looney. And, and as the evil comes out in the open, more and more men and women have just been quietly living their lives are going to activate, and we are going to Nuremberg to these people, and they're going to get their necks broken at the end of a rope.